Praise God. Turn around and tell someone near you, thank God for the revelation that you have of what you have heard today. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'd like to make just a few comments before we read from the Word of the Lord. Amen. Oh, I tell you, that was, that was tremendous. Awesome. I asked Brother Mead, I said, how would you like to follow that? And he never did answer me. He said, just go preach. Amen. Brother Medford is so smooth and so informative. He overloaded my two-amp fuse. Take me a while to absorb all of that, I promise you. But I believe every word of it. I believe it just like that. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we have, we have heard from the Lord since the very first service. If you're a young preacher that's here today and you have been exposed to other elements, let me tell you, this is what you need to set your sail with. Amen. Because this, this is the kind of preaching that has got the church to where we are today. Amen. I want to express my appreciation. I know this is repetitious. Everyone that's been up here has said this, but... I appreciate uh, this uh, committee of men that are visionaries that has put the effort and time and planning into this meeting. I would have to say without even asking that probably some of them has become involved to underwrite and sponsor this and it has cost them a price, no doubt. But I don't think that they'll ever regret Amen. Their involvement in what is taking place. Because this will only continue to get better if the Lord tarries. And so I thank all of these men and uh, know each one of them. And I appreciate their vision and their desire to put something together such as this conference has been. And I want to say to all of these preachers that has preceded me. Now, Brother Epley was so kind to me today, he came and said, everything's been good up to now. He said, if you mess up, they're not going to forget you. Amen. Well, you won't need much pen and ink to follow me. Amen. You used it up while Brother Met was up here, even writing all that down. But uh, I appreciate uh, so very much the spirit. Uh, Brother Ron Garrett's uh, Monday night, he set the tone for this meeting. Amen. I'm telling you, he did. Uh, you being a preacher, it's not easy to bear your soul. But in so doing, I tell you, he shed light into this service. And um, Brother Gross, of course, he and I have been very close for many years, and we've heard him preach Probably hundreds of times, but he probably outdid himself. Amen. He somehow gave us a new insight into the revelation of God and His holiness. 
And then Brother MacDonald came and gave us a revelation of ourselves. And I really didn't like what I saw. Amen. As long as he kept that mirror over here and then he went over here, I was enjoying it. But then he centered that mirror right where I was sitting. And I promise you, I didn't wait until he got through. I started repenting. I started asking God to change my ways. Amen. And I thank God for that. And of course, my dear friend, uh, Brother Lambeth, because he obeyed the Lord, God moved in and confirmed that service last night was such a healing and with so many answers and so many marvelous things. And, of course, Brother Medford always, he just, he is a source of tremendous information. And that he has such an anointing. And he does it with such ease. Amen. I don't know why I can't do that. He just, it just flows out and he just walks around like he's on a stroll somewhere. And, amen. And uh, I'm trying to give a little space so you can make a change in your, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, thank the Lord. You know what I did observe, and most probably everybody here did, we all felt that that questioning atmosphere when we arrived. You know, there was kind of a compartmentalizing amongst us. But I began to notice that yesterday while Brother Gross was teaching, I began to feel that lift. And by the time Brother MacDonald finished and we came to the altar, I, I did not feel any of that. The Holy Ghost blended our spirit and our fellowship in those services yesterday. And it's like last night, God just said, okay, I'm going to just let you see my approval of such dynamic power that was in the service last night. Amen. So thank the Lord for it. And because of these services and all of this preaching, we are going to go home, hopefully, to have better church, a greater move of God, more focus on the primary purpose that God set us here for. The Bible said, where there is no oxen, the crib is bare. But by the strength of the ox is much increased. And I feel like that God has purposely had this meeting to give strength to the preacher. Amen. We have been able to just be talked to and preached to without having to worry about, amen, our saints that look up to us, amen, wondering what was wrong with us. We've been able to just pour our hearts out before the Lord. Stand with me. I'm going to do my best to uh, expedite time. I talked to one of my very close evangelist friends this morning, and he reminded me that there is no such thing as a bad 20-minute sermon. I don't know how close I can get, but I will try. Praise God. In the 
15th chapter of the book of Genesis. And um, I think really all that we have said, and none of us compared what we felt God had given to us, but it seems that God has linked it together by divine purpose. And I hope that God will do that again here in this part this afternoon. Beginning at verse 1, we'll read quickly and let you be seated. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels, shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees. To give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And he took unto him all of these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Would you pray one more time and ask the Lord to let that divine touch of His anointing continue to fill this service here this afternoon. Hallelujah. Oh God, we need you here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you and you may be seated. I want to preach to you here this afternoon on the honor guards of a sacred heritage. The honor guards of a sacred heritage. Abram had had a visitation from the Lord. He had had a vision and God had spoke to him. And he had given him promises 
of great inheritance and great blessings. After God had spelled it out, he had asked the Lord, Whereby shall I know that this shall be my inheritance? And God said, I'm going to require of you a sacrifice. Amen. The she-goats and the ram, the turtle dove and the pigeon, and all of these things are going to be required and they've got to be prepared. I don't have time to go into all that took place and I'm not really sure about the time that Abram spent in preparation, but it required a lot of effort and a lot of time, a lot of involvement. I'm sure that he became blooded in the process. I know that he became wearied both mentally and physically because of the effort that he gave the preparation. And the Bible says that after whatever time had elapsed, that Abram prepared and got this ready. The Bible said that the day was ending. The sun was going down and darkness was quickly approaching. And the Bible said that lo and horror of great darkness fell upon Abram. After all of the preparation, after everything being finally ready to give a presentation to the Lord to ensure the inheritance of the blessing and the promise that God has made. And now the encroachment of dark and the physical burnout and fatigue that takes a hold of him. Even it jeopardizes everything that he has done in preparation. And the Bible says that the vultures, the fowls of the air, came down to devour the sacrifice. Let me tell you, they had no respect unto the sacrifice or the labor that he had put into even his preparation. It meant nothing at all to the vultures that were waiting even Abraham recognized that he himself was the lone sentinel, even of his own inheritance. If he did not guard his inheritance, it could be lost even in one afternoon time because the sun was going down and the Bible said a horror of darkness fell upon him. But he must have been so totally exhausted, both mentally and physically, that he just simply said, I don't have the energy to go one step further or to expect one more thing out of my response. But when he looked up and somewhere waiting, even on a dead tree somewhere or somewhere standing close by, he saw those vultures with their eye on his sacrifice. The Bible said that Abraham drove away the vultures and kept them from destroying and mutilating and desecrating the sacrifice that he had prepared. Hallelujah. Here we are today, even probably within days of 
He been declaring war. He been probably the third world war. He been things are happening even all over the world today. Even the coming of the Lord is imminent. Even we know that the very air is electrified with His coming. And yet Matthew chapter 25 says, And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. He then, and at midnight the cry was made. I don't have to convince you that even we are in that midnight period, even right today. And in that midnight time, even there's a midnight crowd, even that's around us. And there is midnight spirits that we are fighting on a daily basis to survive and keep this gospel pure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Arlington National Cemetery, there's the burial place of thousands of American soldiers who died for our liberty and our freedom. In 1921, the United States Congress of America established the memorial to the American serviceman. It was called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. There are three soldiers buried there, one from World War I, one from the Second World War, and one from the Korean War. Since 1948, that's 55 years, even all the way into a second generation. Even it has been guarded day and night. Even there is never a moment, even as I speak here today, even that a guard that's chosen from the first, even infantry group, even of the first battalion of the third infantry group, even that's there guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier. Even if you've ever witnessed this, the changing of the guard. Even they are immaculately dressed. Even they execute with precision. Even and pride. It's a moving experience. Even I was able to obtain some time back a copy of the Sentinel's Creed that all of them must agree to to become an honor guard. And it goes this way. My dedication to this sacred duty is total and wholehearted. In the responsibility bestowed on me, never will I falter with dignity and perseverance. Even my standard will remain perfection through the years of diligence and praise and the discomfort of the elements. I will walk my tour in humble reverence to the best of my ability. It is He who commands the respect that I protect. His bravery that made us so proud. Surrounded by well-meaning crowds by day. Alone in the thoughtful peace of night. This soldier will in honored glory rest under my eternal vigilance. I'm going to tell you, that sounds like something an apostolic preacher he then would make for his creed. Even I refuse to back up, even from the responsibility of turning what God has entrusted me with in this marvelous truth. Amen. 
on that tomb of the unknown soldier. And it says this, here rest in our glory an American soldier known only to God. He banned, they'd have the changing of the guard during daylight hours, every hour, and at night, every two hours. It does not matter about the weather. It does not matter about events. Even here during 9-11, even when the world was focused, even the guard still walked his duty. He banned, he never faltered from his responsibility. If you turn and look, he's been away from that tomb of the unknown soldier. Is the eternal flame. Even where JFK is buried, the flame has never gone out. And there is the inscription that says, eternal vigilance is the price of victory. Hallelujah. If you go out of Arlington Cemetery and go just a short distance to the north, you will find there, even the monument to the U.S. Marine Corps, even that beautiful, beautiful stature, a six enlisted man on Iwo Jima raising that battle-torn flag, their bodies splattered with the blood of dead comrades. Even it wasn't long ago, even to some draft-dodging art critic publicized that that monument was nothing but gaudy trash. Oh, let me tell you, even men that served and gave their lives, even rose up, even in defiance of against that because that means something to the life, liberty, and happiness of us tonight or today. Oh, lift your hands and let's praise you. That monument commemorates the most bitter and costly battle in marine history. Amen. We are seeing the demonstrators on the streets across America today. They did a poll of the Yuppie generation a short time back. Even 47% of this Yuppie generation said, we would not fight anywhere, at any place, for any cause. Not even to the preservation of our own liberty. That's the America that we're looking at today. We're watching the passing of a great nation because we have been so overrun with folks that have no connection to the past. Even so they have no commitment to its preservation. But I'm telling you that what we have heard since Monday night lighting in this place, what we heard here just a few minutes ago, I'm going to tell you, it's the honor guard of a sacred heritage. Men that have leaped up their arms and said, I will not bow, I will not back up, I will not compromise. I'm telling you, God today has selected every man of God and every woman of God in this place. He must leave here more determined than ever before that I'm going to drive the vultures away. Even I'm going to protect the sacrifice of this glorious, blood-washed, spirit-filled, divine-led church.
You can be seated. I'm going to tell you the vulture spirits of this end time are determined to mutilate and destroy the Pentecostal heritage of the last century. God has put us in responsibility today of something greater than the bones of dead men past. We're not guarding something that's unknown today or known only to God, but we understand the treasure that God has placed within our hands. I'm going to tell you, as Elder Gross, he been expounded and enlarged upon. He banned the, the nature of God. And that beautiful, beautiful revelation has something inside of me that quickened my heart. Even that revitalized my spirit. And oh, I thank God for it today. And we refuse to let it be denigrated. We refuse to let it be taken down even into obscurity or into the mud today. Even somebody has got to get up. Even somebody as the sun is going down and daylight is escaping. Somebody in your weary, even battle-worn condition has got to realize that some vultures that's waiting, that's coming in to take everything good and godly and righteous, and you've got to drive them away. You've got to say, you can't have this. You're not going to desecrate what God has made holy. Praise God. You can be seated. Oh, we go to church on Sunday morning and we drive the vultures away. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We, we come back to church on Sunday night and the choir sings and we have prayer service and we try to have a move of God. But when it comes down to it, the preacher has got to step up here and you've got to drive those vulture spirits even away again. Let me tell you, a carcass doesn't have to lay even long enough to lose its body heat for the, the vultures to know how to find it. Even they'll defy the busy, even highway traffic. Even they'll come down and invade what they have found. Even I've been hunting all my life. Even I have stopped, I've shot deer and had to go back in the morning and look for them. And only as I got closer, even to hear a strange sound that I wasn't expecting to hear. The flapping of wings. Even the sound of tearing flesh. And only to get there moments after daylight. And somehow they were there first. It did not take them long. You don't have to back away and have much absence for those spirits of this midnight in time hour to devour what you've worked all of your life to preserve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, one thing I've always observed with the vultures, with the buzzards, the first thing they go for is the eyes. Even though the carcass is unseeing, they feel threatened because they know that they can't do anything as long as that, that animal has got sight. Let me tell you if the devil can take the sight of the church, which is the ministry. If he can rob you of your sight and vision, it's only a matter of time till he gets to the Bibles. 
and steals the heart. He would like to make rigid robots of Pentecostalism out of every preacher. Amen. But I want to tell you, we've got to keep getting a heartfelt touch, an anointing of God that washes over our spirit, that picks us back up and says, it does not matter how weary I am, this sacrifice is worth protecting. Amen. The inheritance that I hope for is worth preserving. Hallelujah. 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 I thought as Brother Medford was teaching, and oh, that was so profound. Even I thought we have lived to see the day that we are bypassing, in Jesus' name, Pentecost, the message of repentance. Hey, but I'm going to tell you, we got to drive those vulture spirits away. Amen. That is the core, amen, of our avenue to God. Amen. We, we have no approach to God except through repentance. Not just as a sinner that walks in for the first time, but since I've been in this meeting, amen, I've sought a place of repentance with God. Amen. I've sought again His mercy to touch my spirit and my soul. I don't want to be cold. Amen. And operate from the mind. I want to operate with a connection to the heart of God. When I step before my local church, I want to be able to say, I live what I'm preaching to you. And God will confirm even everything that we preach. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. God sent a prophet down to Nineveh. Amen. He didn't have no mercy in his message. Amen. God just said, go down. Tell that wicked, idolatrous, sinful city that yet in 40 days I will destroy Nineveh. He didn't say, if you repent. He didn't say, you could repent. Amen. He just said, this judgment day in 40 days. But oh, when he got down and began to preach, and somehow word got to the king, the king said, oh, it might be perchance. Hey, it might just be if heaven we'd make some kind, hey, man, of approach to God, some kind of humility in his presence. I know the prophet didn't give any promise of it, but the Bible said he took off his royal crown. He laid aside his robes of kingship. He put sackcloth on his body and ashes on his head and said for every man and every woman and every child to do the same. Everybody said some kind of way. God didn't offer us a way out, but some kind of way. It may be that God will hear and see the repentance in our heart. And I'm going to tell you, God has always accepted Repentance. Hallelujah. Praise God. When Solomon built that magnificent temple, that beautiful temple, amen, and God felt comfortable dwelling there. God came and He blessed. And there were times that the priest could minister and there were times when He could not. 
And God even moved the doorpost when His power became so tremendous and so awesome. Amen. But there on the walls of those, Amen, of those uh, beautiful walls that He had built was the 400 shields of beaten gold that God had told Him to put there. Even their purity was without question. The symbolism of what they stood for was understood. Within that temple was a lot of happy people with all of their questions answered. God was good to them. But there came a changing of the guard after a period of time. Even you know the story. He banned Rehoboam said, because the taxation is so great. And because we don't really understand the significance of these, they can be replaced with something similar, if not almost identical. But you have to just read and know that from there on it was downhill. It was a divided kingdom. It was never the same after that. I'm going to tell you when you start trying to replace what God has put into the church. And that happens when people lose even their connection to the past. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. We hear them, they say that we are mired in the backwaters of legalism. That we are mean-spirited, amen, and judgmental. But I like the way Brother Medford said it. He said it so distinctly and so well and so clearly. I've got five grandchildren. Amen. My grandchildren are fifth-generation Pentecostals. My grandmother, in the middle 20s, was a charter member, one of the first members of the first Pentecostal church ever built in Silsby, over the Cornwall. Came there, and she was one of the first ones. Died in the middle 70s, after having the Holy Ghost almost 60 years. Amen. I'm not about to back up. I'm not about to change anything. I'm not about to mess up heaven, a heritage that's as rich and biblical and wonderful as what we've got. But to the contrary, I'm going to stand my ground just like you and drive those vultures away that has no appreciation even for the past and what's been invested in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a world. Even what a world. America is still a great country. But she's rapidly changing. We're sitting here today and we go home to work and live, labor in our individual locales, different kinds of situations. But it doesn't matter where you are this, from this morning. From the East Coast to the West Coast. Big city, little town. Amen. You feel the effects of those vulture spirits. There are no family values in America. They're gone. You speak of family values and they smirk at you. Young ladies talk of abstinence, no sex before marriage, and they're ridiculed out 
of any kind of circle of friendship. Amen. Homosexuality, it governs our nation. It governs our city and state governments. It's in the, it's in the schools. It's everywhere. And if we open our mouth, then we are guilty of inciting hate crimes. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, I can't change what's going on in the political world. I really can't stop what's going on in the educational system. But when you talk about this church, you're talking about something different. I don't have to let that perverted, sexual, sensual spirit on my platform. Or in my music. Or taking over my church. It's going to stay pure and holy and sanctified and righteous in the sight of God. I read just two weeks ago in Saskatchewan, they were having a gay parade. You may have read that. One man, he didn't open his mouth. He wrote three scriptures on a poster board. Three scriptures. Of what God thought about homosexuals. About their unclean lifestyle. And three of those homosexuals in that parade brought charges against him. And he lost the case. He's got to pay them so many hundreds of dollars apiece. Because he just held up the word of God. Amen. I'm going to tell you it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what the penalties are. Somebody has got to stand at the door and say, that spirit is not going to invade my young folks. Hallelujah. I don't care what, I don't care what Bill Clinton did to denigrate family values and lack of character. Amen. Even he's made it to where nothing is really sinful or sexual. Even just by interpretation. Thank God for the clear note and the certain sound that still goes across. Amen. Your pulpit. We're going to protect and preserve. Amen. Thank God that we still have clear understanding of doctrine. Even oh, when they start quoting even those scriptures like they have done already. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hallelujah. Far without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed unto the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. Thank God, even for that Word today. And it's still in this book. If you preach any other gospel, then what we have preached, even though it's an angel that comes from heaven, let him be accursed. Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not mean-spirited when I tell you that there's just one way to the pearly gates and just one way to the crown that waits. It's the old crossroad and the way called straight. And it's just one way to the pearly gates.
You can be seated. Hallelujah. There are some absolute biblical truths. They're not all in transition. They're not all fluctuating, depending on circumstances. No, there's some things that's on this rock. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad that we still have that right and privilege God gave us to preach separation from the world. Hallelujah. I was talking about repentance a while ago. Amen. The reason some folks don't ever last and they cannot take preaching and teaching is because they didn't really repent. I found out that, and we have a revival church. Amen. We believe in it. We believe in Bible studies and outreach. Amen. And, and uh, we, we, we were to reach this week. Amen. If they mailed out our, our letters this week. A hundred brand new families in our community. Easter week, we'll reach a thousand new families. Amen. I don't know what the response will be, but we have outreach teams. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that I've got to give up one space and compromise to have revival. I saw a guy that was a backslider. He didn't think he was. But he said, the only church that's growing is the charismatic church. Amen. I said, that's not true. Amen. And that's not really growth. Thank God for revival. But you'll never have people anymore dead and receptive than when they have fully, completely repented. Hallelujah. Amen. We're not interested in giving them coffee and cake. We're interested in giving them some angel food. Hallelujah. Giving them some words that will make out of them what God desires for them to be. Just closed the revival with Brother Green that's here. Even two men in my church taught this young Catholic Spanish couple a Bible study. She hasn't come yet, but he came. Came right over the altar. Began to seek the Lord. One night, I got some folks when they pray in the altar, you better not go if you don't want to stay. Because they're not going to let you leave. Even I got a big old tall black boy, Brother Charles. Even he lacks his own. And you better want the Holy Ghost because he ain't going to turn you loose. Amen. Most everybody's done gone home. Amen. Only a dozen of folks there with this boy and they wouldn't quit. Boy, after a while, I mean, he, he broke through. Talking in tongues. Greatest thing that ever happened to him. Never known nothing but being, he been in Catholicism all of his life. Felt the power of God. Amen. They come bouncing out to the foyer where I was talking to somebody. Ran up. He gave me a bear hug. And he said, Brother Jackson, I'm ready to get baptized in Jesus' name. I said, right now? You don't want to wait till tomorrow night? Get your wife and your children here? No. I've got to do it right now. Amen. I said, well, Joe, there's only one problem. Amen. You look around, you don't see none of these men with mustaches on. None of them has facial hair. Amen. So we got to take care of that. He said, do you have a way to take care of it? I said, I sure do. Brother, you talk about a speed razor. He almost beat me back to the bat street. Amen. 
no question, no argument. Amen. Don't have to give a Bible study. Amen. Don't have to convince him. Amen. When you have repentance, amen. When you get a hold of an experience that delivers you out of bondage, amen. There's not going to be an argument. Praise God. My old pastor that I came in under, amen, he was a Bible preacher. And he taught all of us young preachers. He said, read that Bible through a hundred times. Memorize it once and pray it in. That's good advice. Amen. What he's saying is just don't ever quit. Amen. I'm telling you, I've got them back to the baptistry that's had rings on their fingers and bells on their toes. They've had rings in their nose, studs in their nose, and God only knows where else. Tattoos from top to bottom. I baptized a girl a few weeks ago that had tattoos that glowed in the dark. How would you like to wake up to that during the middle of the night? Scary, isn't it? Hallelujah. But I tell you what, God gloriously filled her and her husband with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But I've got them back to the ministry. Amen. And I say, pull off your wedding rings. Pull off all your jewelry. Get them out of your ears. Get them out of your nose. Get them off your fingers. And you know what? I've never had one walk away and refuse to do it. I'm not going to stand there and give them a Bible study. They're getting into the greatest thing God has ever had. And that's the church. They'll understand if they stay and they'll receive the teaching. But hey, we don't have to back up on our separation message. On our holiness message. We can have revival, seek God, do what He wants to do in this end time. And protect the sacrifice. Praise God. Oh, this is a... What we've heard the catchphrase millennial generation. Amen. But oh, there is no different in this generation than any others. It's going to take blood and toil and sweat and tears. It's going to be continuing to fight when you don't feel like fighting. Amen. I'm not old. I'm 61 years old. But I have a lot of men, not just the young, but others my age that calls and says, Amen. I don't know if I have any fight left. Amen. I fought till I'm weary. A burnout. Let me tell you, this is not time to get burnout. Somehow you've got to re- regroup and, and get revitalized. And you know what I feel like? That's what this has done. My. Amen. I'm kicking at the traces to get home. Amen. Thank God. Thank God for this meeting. Hallelujah. Amen. Glad His truth is still marching on. Amen. His truth is still marching on. I'm going to close, but in the 30th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel, David had 600 men that he had shaped into a fighting group of men. They were a motley crew, men in debt, men running for their lives, but he made them into precision, courageous fighters. 
Amen. And they had gone. Amen. In the work of the kingdom. And while they were doing the work of the kingdom, the devil found his way in the back door. And the Bible said that when they came back, he went to Ziklag. They were greeted with the smell and the stench of smoke and nothing but ruins of what used to be their possessions and their homes. And absent was their wives and their sons and their daughters. And the Bible says that they wept until they could not weep anymore. I'm telling you, they were at the end. They were burnt out. Even everything had dissipated while they were busy doing the work of the kingdom. While they were doing what they felt was in the best interest of Israel. The devil came in and stole everything that really meant anything to them. I'm going to tell you, if we lose our own children, if we lose what's dearest to us, Amen. It makes any other victory bittersweet. Oh, yes. And the devil loves it that way because then when you get up to preach and drive away the vultures, he laughs at you. He wants you to back up because one of yours messed up and failed. But I'm telling you, even when you wept, all oh, you can weep. And then the Bible said, and all of us preachers understand this, that the rest of the men sought an occasion to stone David. It's his fault. He led us away when we should have been right here. And so it's his fault. But oh, I love it when the Bible said that he called for the priest. And he inquired of the Lord. And he said, God, should I pursue and overtake or do I just sit down, fold my hands up, and accept the inevitable? Do I just back up and say, well, our church won't have revival. We won't be able to keep on preaching holiness and keep the lights on. We'll have to just give in and do what everybody else is doing. But the word of the Lord came back to him and said, pursue and overtake. And the Bible said he roused. Even 400 of those men, 200, was faint-hearted. Even they stayed by the brook. But 400 rose up and said, bless God, let's do it. Ain't nothing going to stop us. And the Bible said they recovered all. And in the process, they had a revival. They didn't just get their wives and their sons and their daughters back, but the Bible said they found an Egyptian by the way. And they said, as he lay beside the road, whose servant are you? And he said, till three days ago, I served my master well. But this is where he discarded me. And the Bible said they gave him water to drink and they gave him food to eat. And now, he said, I'm going to be your servant. I'm telling you, on the way to recovering what you lost, you can have revival. 
There's an Egyptian on the way that's looking for somebody to help them. It's not a question. If we are going to have revival, we have got to have revival. There's got to be a revival of apostolic truth and apostolic power. There's got to be a revival of the genuine that God has made available. Praise God. Lift your hands and let's praise Him. Hallelujah. 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 What are you doing, Abram? What are you doing? Why don't you give in? No. You see, I had a vision. And God told me. He had blessings I couldn't even number. But to have that, I've got to take care of this sacrifice. I'm going to tell you, if we lose the church, we ain't going. We lose everything. It's valuable to God. And so, when a deep sleep fell on him, Yet he heard the sound of those vultures' wings, and he could see that sadistic gleam in their eye. Amen. The Bible says he rose up and drove them away. I feel like strength has been given. You may have come to this meeting weary. I don't know what's going on in your church. Maybe there's problems right now. Maybe you're not experiencing growth and revival. Maybe there's things that you can't get a handle on. But I, could I encourage you from this meeting and what you have heard and what God has given to you. Let God renew that vision that He gave you in the beginning. And let God connect your past to your present and your present to your future. And say, I'm going to fight to drive the vultures away. Would you thank Him again? Would you give glory to the Lord? Would you praise Him right now? Thank Him the truth is still marching on in this generation. Jesus. Jesus. Could I get every preacher... 30 years and under to start walking to the front of this auditorium right now, to the front of this auditorium. 30 years and under, would you start walking?